Oh no, there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the third party in Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's it going? It's going really well. We've been hyping up this topic for a while now, even teasing it on episodes. Yep. Today we are discussing the future of hop-ups, what makes a great hop-up, and the most recent addition to the loot pool, the boosted loader, a hop-up. As Henry said, we've been excited to chat about for a while now. Before we do any of that, though, make sure you join us on Discord to chat Apex, find teammates, and receive third-party updates. Link for that is in the description of the show. If you'd like to support us in continuing this podcast and building this amazing community, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where you can receive in return ad-free listening, exclusive merch, gaming sessions with us, monthly calls, Discord perks, and more. Our next goal is that video podcast, so let's smash it. Yeah, that video podcast will be really fun once you guys get us there. Looking forward to it. But yeah, before we kind of dive into the future of hop-ups and how the boosted loader works and how it impacts Apex, I think it's important that we discuss some of the history of the hop-ups because they've gone through a lot since Apex first began. And they've been something that Henry and I have always been interested in. What's the purpose? Why are they in the game? Why why give it them each a rarity of what they are? There's a lot of questions we always had. Let's talk, talk through the history and kind of walk us through it. So in season zero, we had four hop-ups just introduced into the vanilla Apex Legends. Mm-hmm. We had the Skull Piercer Rifling, the Precision Choke, the Select Fire Receiver, and the Turbocharger. A lot to unpack here. And honestly, mm-hmm. a lot of diversity among these initial original hop-ups. They played very different roles. You know, they I think we've run into maybe some similarities since then per se or things purposefully being similar and what their roles are but this one was headshot king shoot fall auto charge or shoot really really fast like there were four very different avenues that had i think four very different levels of effectiveness with each gun as well it was i think it was a good core though to start with and they've all left or come back or stayed since then these have kind of been some of the staples of apex legends hop-ups totally then we had season one no changes to hop-ups at all season two we had the addition of the disruptor rounds ooh la la and the hammer point which really grew over time to seek its fame um there was no subtraction at all in season Mm -hmm. two we just got Two new free hop-ups, wonderful, loot pool, very healthy. Season three, we got two more additions, the double tap and the anvil receiver. Two pretty big heavy hitters, you know, in terms Mm -hmm. of hop-ups, but at the same time, we lost the disruptor and the skull piercer. So kind of keeping that equilibrium and starting this trend of we we can't have too many of these. Mm -hmm. We have to keep Mm -hmm. some balance in terms of the hop-ups. Next season, season four, we removed the turbocharger. This was interesting because it's a weird one. <laughs> essentially, it got built in to the havoc in a lot of ways. It wasn't like 100%, but there was buffs in order to compensate for its loss, as there is a lot of times when we lose hop ups. And then in season five, we had the skull piercer added back and the anvil receiver removed. Season six, we added the turbocharger back and removed the precision choke. 
Season 7, we gained the Quick Draw Holster, lost the Select Fire. Season 8, we added back the Anvil, took out Double Tap. Season 9, we got the Shatter Caps and Dead Eyes Tempo, but lost Hammer Point and the Skull Piercer. And most recently, we've gained the Boosted Loader in Season 10 and lost the Anvil and a Quick Draw. So it's over weird. time, yeah, yeah. over time, mm-hmm. we've, we've had a lot of hop-ups come and go. We've had new hop-ups come. But I think the key t- takeaways are that hop-ups may have already peaked in their importance in the loop pool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we go from initially having four to peaking at six in season two and three to then going down to five for a long time. And more recently in season 10, we're back down to four hop-ups total. So maybe hop-ups being kind of this big part of the loop pool has come and gone. Yeah. And it's, there's a lot of other elements as well that impact this in the loop pool, you know, adding crafting, how does that influence the loop pool and such? It's really interesting. It felt like for a long time there, it was almost like every other season we were getting something like that we kind of cared about and was impactful. I think we'll see if we continue that trend, but chatting with you know, David Bosek, the designer behind kind of some of the hop-up ideas, we learned a little bit about them and they aren't always these well-planned introductions into the game. They can be kind of that piece of content when they feel like maybe something's lacking that they add in to add a little bit of something. And that was kind of, for me, an interesting takeaway when we had that interview and then we look through this history. Oh, that kind of does make some sense those seasons where it's like maybe there wasn't a whole ton it was because it was maybe a hop up or the subtraction there was no addition and not a lot of change and in turn you get some of those disappointments and overexcitement that come with the addition and subtraction of hop ups absolutely i think that on top of that we've also seen hop ups change in rarity you know the skull mm-hmm. piercer started off as a as a purple or rare and change to become a legendary or a gold. While also also, getting worse. Yeah. It's kind of (laughs) interesting how that happens. Yeah. Um, But it's also something to look at when color rarity doesn't always tell you the whole picture. You know, the turbocharger is a hop up that, you know, in the past was seriously reduced in its drop rate. You know, Mm -hmm. can't confirm that as 100% truth. It feels that way. Mm -hmm. Season six, after the initial release and the replicator kind of fiasco, they were very, very rare. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting to look at kind of how hop-ups are approached. And then on top of that, we've even had hop-ups completely built in to weapons like Mm -hmm. the triple take and the precision choke. Um, But in other ways, having hop-ups removed from a weapon uh, without really any repercussions or anything like that most notably the havoc losing the select fire kind of out of nowhere while the prowler still had it in the care package it was kind of interesting like triple take just got the choke built into it when the peacekeeper was Mm -hmm. in the pack and then the havoc for some reason didn't and to this day we still don't really understand was the single fire havoc too op couldn't build it in wasn't fair Interesting, to say the least, I think. It's so tough. And it's such an interesting place to be in because you look at what a hop-up does and you look at all these changes and such that we've seen, the integrations, and you see this, okay, an influx of a new player base. Hop-ups aren't the most uh, simple item to kind of grasp in the game. They are difficult. And 
in turn, that whole concept of the rarity not lining up. I mean, we talk about how we don't think the Phoenix kit is also, you know, as rare, as important as a battery. So we have some of those constants across. Makes it hard to, you know, digest and create the best decisions around because of that. And with a lot of players coming to the game lately, the hop-ups are important for making the game feel simple or fluid or easy to get good at, which is what it really comes down to in the end. Yeah, I mean, Apex has the most complex looting mechanic out of any BR, and the hop-ups are no exception to that. It's a very unique, complicated system. Mm -hmm. But throughout the history of hop-ups over the last 10 seasons, there's also some fun facts about hop-ups that I want to touch on. I love fun facts. I'm ready to go. (laughs) Everybody loves fun facts. Now, the first one is there have only been two weapons uh, that have had two hop-up compatibilities. The Havoc and the Bow. The Havoc, upon release, could utilize either the Select Fire or the Turbocharger. One or the other. You probably have some words to say about the Havoc Select Fire when it did 60 damage to the body. It did cost 4 ammo to use, but it also, at the time, had no extended mag. So just right off the rip, you had 32 in the round. So pretty cool weapon. It was a cool weapon. That That's the best way to phrase it. This is not one that I think made a ton of impact per se. I think that there were just so many alternatives if you're going to shoot a gun kind of at range in a single fire mode that performed better. And at the time, the gun wasn't good enough as an AR or a close range gun in full auto to really, I think, make up for that kind of stuff. And we kind of saw the Havoc rise in popularity once that turbocharger was integrated and then the gun was end game ready as soon as, as soon as you picked it up. So the select fire, single fire on the Havoc was totally fun. And my God, was it intimidating to get shot by a laser beam across the map? No hit scan, really. That was a really cool piece of it. Um, but yeah, getting removed. And then he also was like, this does the same thing as the charge rifle in a way, and that's kind of a tough mm-hmm. line to walk as well in terms of keeping guns unique. So the removal makes some sense. Totally. And th- then we have the bow that, unlike the Havoc, can actually use two hop-ups at the exact same time, the Shattered mm-hmm. Caps and the Deadeye. Um, that's pretty unique, and I think it's a big staple, but is also one of the reasons that I think these hop-ups are bound to be integrated at some point in the near future. Yeah, we'll see what happens with the future of the bow. That's something that we might we might discuss on an upcoming episode for sure. Next fun fact, the turbocharger is the most persistent hop-up in Apex history, being featured in 8 out of 10 seasons. And the most dominant hop-up in 8 out of 10 seasons. I don't know if that's, that's actually right. true. I just said it though, but we'll see. It's I a mean, fact now. It's a fact. It's It's been the... We've talked for seasons and seasons about how if you get a turbocharged devotion, that's the best gun in the game. It's a gold hop-up. It's kind of the most stereotypical like example of gold hop-up equals really good gun when sometimes we haven't felt that way, essentially. Uh, but the turbocharger has kind of been that for a very, very long time. On the flip side of that coin, the disruptor rounds have been the least persistent, only appearing in the loot pool for one out of 10 seasons. And was it a season? It was, was it a season? <laughs> Hindsight, you know, is always 2020. Yeah, you, know, you can see clearly, <laughs> but it's also like there's a lot of nostalgia that goes back to 
that time when the alternator and the RE45 outperformed the R99 in close range. So And the R301 at long range. It's pretty interesting, <laughs> I think. You know, it's receptor rounds were something for sure. And now they're in the great place in the care package, no doubt. Exactly right. Where they belong. Mm-hmm. Yep. Next fact, there have been three occasions where a hop-up has only been utilized on a single weapon. The select fire used to go on the Prowler only, and the turbocharger used to go on the Devotion only before the Havoc was released in Season 0. So this is one that most people aren't going to even remember because the Havoc came out so, so early on, first new weapon released, but before then, these hop-ups only went on one weapon. So kind of interesting. The other example, and probably the more remembered example of a hop-up only being on one weapon is the precision choke on the triple take in season five after the peacekeeper was put into the care package why was that memorable you may ask because that triple take rose to the cream of the crop (laughs) we said it on the podcast multiple times but that gun with the built-in uh choke was absolutely dominant to the point it got packed essentially (laughs) pretty much And, and before then you know even when it still was the only weapon to have one hop-up and one hop-up be paired to one weapon, mm-hmm. the rate of fire was incredible. You know, yeah. The damage potential was incredible. So it was kind of a unique situation. It's no longer the case. Um, and really, we don't see that anymore, where only one weapon is paired with one hop-up. It mm-hmm. doesn't really lend itself to a healthy, happy loophole. In that vein, talking about the loot pool, let's kind of talk about the history of the hop-ups by weapon class. Essentially, how many hop-ups has each class had kind of over time? How's it changed? And is there anything we can pull from that information? I think it's kind of cool to see where the minds of the devs are and then where we as players look at where the meta is in comparison to where the hop-ups right now. Yeah, this is something that we were both really fascinated about. Like, how do the additions and changes and hop-ups and weapons paint a picture, tell a story about where the meta is or where Mm -hmm. they want the meta to go. And so we created a a visual in terms of how many weapons are in each class, how many hop-ups are in each class, and then how are the changes kind of swaying where the meta is, either short range, long range, full auto, burst, and we painted a picture. If you're a patron, you have access to our show doc, Take a look. It's a little messy, but essentially <laughs> the t- key takeaways are season zero through three pistols, shotguns, SMGs received the most attention from new hop ups. You know, this was really, I think, the peak of close range focus. I, yep. I don't know if, you know, shotguns, I think, have gotten better over time, but in terms of close range and staying focused on buffing those and making them more powerful, the early seasons are where a lot of that work was done. Apex made a name for itself during this time as the Skull Town Hot Drop, Close Range Fight, R99 Shreds, Hip Fire is so fun while you're moving super fast. And then we went away from that and we got the longer range World's Edge. That's actually kind of cool to see. How did this line up with the hop ups per se? Yeah. And I mean, these initial seasons, you have Hammer Point, you have Disruptor, you have the Double Tap, you know, mm-hmm. very, very powerful hop ups that really enforce this close range engagement. Next takeaway, season four and five were the driest hop-up seasons ever with the turbocharger and anvil being removed 
and only the skull piercer being added back in season five. It was not sad times. Going on. There's mm-hmm. not a lot going on. And, you know, it's tough because I think we felt that at the time and we look back and it was an anomaly. That was not normal. That was crazy pandemic. That was kind of scattered teams having to work remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was clear that that had an impact on the hop ups and the weapon pool and what they wanted to do to push the meta in maybe a new direction. Season six through nine. ARs, LMGs, Marksmans shined in the hop-up world with pistols, SMGs, and shotguns losing hop-ups consistently. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's hard to ignore the fact that in these seasons, we introduced the Marksman class, we got hop-ups, we have new weapons in that, we had the Anvil come and go again, we had, you know, the turbocharger come back, all of these really powerful hop-ups enforce the ARs, the LMGs, and at the same time, we lost things that helped the shotguns, like the double tap. Mm-hmm. We lost things like the quick draw and had it just built back. That being said... I was going to say, it's crazy though, because you look at that, you look at these changes that have come through in those seasons, and we can, if we look solely at the hop-ups, we would be like, what a long range meta. Like Apex must be a marksman rifle, sniper kind of game. Season nine was one of the biggest shotgun seasons we have ever experienced, I believe. And it's still coming true now. But like eight, nine, when we had PKs and Mastiffs pumping people down for over a hundred damage, and then that changing and the Eva rising to the cream of the crop. It's interesting to see that maybe the hop-ups aren't the end-all be-all. Yeah, totally. I mean, hop-ups aren't everything. and It's very clear. It's possible that hop-ups don't mean anything at all Mm -hmm. because over time, snipers have been buffed. The P2020 and the Mozambique have had incredible transformations without hop-ups. And some hop-ups like Deadeye's Tempo and the Quick Draw Holster have incredibly marginal impacts on weapon power. So looking at the data in that kind of long macro view doesn't really tell you everything about where the weapon meta is. Well, yeah, because it's you in the end have to find the hop up. And so if you have to find a hop up for the gun to be at the top, it's not going to be the meta because not everything has to, not every player in the game can find that. And then not everyone can run that. And everyone running a gun is what makes a gun meta, essentially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you introduce a hop-up and then you take it away, Mm -hmm. you feel pressured, I think, as a developer to nudge that weapon up a little bit in order to lessen the blow and the pain from taking something away from the player. And buffs equal power. Pretty much. And (laughs) and I'd take a small buff over a new hop-up on a weapon pretty much every time. Hop-ups are really fun, but if you can buff the damage one or two or buff the reload just on its own without Mm -hmm. having the loot. I love that. That being said, though, there's been only one case of weapons being stripped of hop-ups and not receiving adequate power when it returns to ground loot. Season 10 is that example. Prowler came back and it didn't have the select fire. You couldn't toggle it to full auto and it didn't get any love in return for that, it got Mm -hmm. nerfed. So 
that's interesting in that it's really the only case where we've had hop-ups be removed and weapons get buffed as compensation. Prowler, exact opposite for the first time ever. And still the Prowler, though, was that weird circumstance of coming out from the care package as well, from its kind of all-powerful state. So there is even some potential reasoning behind that, but it just kind of shows that there isn't always this maybe clear defined pattern of how these work. Very much so. It's difficult to analyze. Uh, and the Prowler is just such a fascinating one to dissect because the Prowler is the only weapon that right before it went to the care package, got no buffs. It mm-hmm. just went in there. It was just is. good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not true for the R9, not true for the Spitfire, not true for Even the, the triple alternator. take that was like yeah. beyond amazing, you know? Mm-hmm. So pretty interesting that it goes in completely fine, moves on the ground, comes out, gets hit with two pretty big nerfs. I mean, losing the hop up, I think, is standalone, and then fire ray and things like that are standalone. The next one that is kind of interesting to highlight is the Havoc being on a pretty bumpy road. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but it peaked in season four when the turbocharger mm-hmm. was essentially balanced into the base weapon. There was no extended mags, um, but it was season five when the recoil was hit quite hard and it fell from grace at that point. Now that the turbocharger is back since season six, it's been on the rise, I think, that it's just kind of gotten more consistent, gotten stronger, gotten more approachable. And now that the extended mags are back for the Havoc, the magazine size is larger than ever at 36. I think we could be seeing a Havoc meta uh, quite soon, in my opinion. All it's going to take is a little tweak here or there or or a removal of the turbocharger again. And we could be right back to that kind of formula of AR energy weapon from RIP is incredibly powerful. Um, We kind of know that's some of the balancing tools that go into it give these guns time to shine and the havoc's been on the back burner for quite a long time i think in the community's perspective even though you know we kind of just broke down that the gun has a very good argument from a statistical standpoint at least of potentially being used at the top tier so now let's look at the weapons that have had hop-ups that currently have hop-ups and have never had hop-ups first the had so the P2020, Mozambique, EVA 8, RE, Prowler, R301, Flatline, G7, and Longbow have all had hop-ups at some point. Mm-hmm. Given, taken, but presently, they do not have one. L- looking at that group, those all are really solid weapons, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. I'm pretty happy with all of them, even the Mozambique. It's in a Mozambique's in the state. best state. Yeah, it's in the best state it's ever been in. I think the the only one you go in there and look at and you're like, I miss the days of their hop up are the P2020 and the RE45, which mm-hmm. are still pretty dang solid weapons at this point, just maybe not with the ceiling they used to be at one point in time. And the disruptor on the RE45, I think that's just like a that's a file that's closed, zip and shut, and we won't be seeing again anytime soon. <laughs> Yeah, probably not. But <laughs> I, I think it's something to look at where you say, all right, all these weapons have had hop-ups, mm-hmm. but once losing them, they've either gotten buffs or maybe they didn't need the hop-up in the first place in order to be popular and powerful mm-hmm. like the R3 and the Flatline. Next, let's look at the weapons that currently have hop-ups. 
Wingman, Hemlock, Havoc, Bow, 3030, Sentinel, Devotion. And then in the care package, essentially we have weapons that still have hop-up-ish things. Characteristics, yeah. Triple take, alternator, and I almost forgot, Peacekeeper on the ground now is the built-in hop-up. So it Mm. doesn't really have a hop-up, but it has a (laughs) hop-up. It doesn't have one, but it has one. It got built in, so that's that. I think this is quite a list because you look at it and outside of the care package, each of these weapons I view as kind of difficult to use. I was going to say, these are the guns that are not on the more popular end. You know, the difficult, I think, suits a couple of these very well. But at the same time, it's also like Sentinel, 3030, Bow, Havoc, Hemlock, even at their peaks right now aren't persistently used as kind of like the top tier guns. Like you get your hop up, you fully kit these guns and a lot of people for other reasons and other weapons won't take them into end game anyways. And then wingman Devo, totally difficult. And PK should be in there as well. Difficult guns to use, like you said, but I think people can take those ones into the end game. Maybe unlike some of these other ones as easily, at least it's really interesting lineup when you compare them to that had list we just looked at, which are like, those are our favorite guns. We would yeah. rack those any game right now. They don't need the hop up. No, anymore, not at, at all. Least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think here looking at it in the context, these are weapons that need a little bit of a pit push for mm-hmm. to use them in order to get the power. But now let's look at the hop-ups and weapons that have never been. Weapons that haven't had a hop-up. Take the L. It's sad (laughs) to see, but maybe there's a reason that we can pull from this list. Mm -hmm. Have the Mastiff, Volt, R99, Spitfire, L-Star, Charge Rifle, Rampage, and the Kraber, but that doesn't count. Kraber is just a different beast. Doesn't count. My first impression, like you hear that list and I'm like, okay, Volt? Incredibly solid gun that a lot of people love. R9 has a really high ceiling. Spitfire, obviously, you know, we've talked endlessly. We don't need to keep continue to go on. And the L-Star is another kind of controversial gun that's like a lot of power for a lot of people right now and such. I'm not sure if they will get hot posts because is it okay for a popular gun like the R9 or the Volt to get a hop up? which you probably can't just give it to them straight out because then they might creep a little too high on that power meter. But then you have to hit them with a nerf and they're both not like incredibly good to the point where you can nerf them and have people confidently use them each and every time. I think it's a really interesting discussion to kind of have with those ones. Yeah, this is a very interesting list because you have the unique weapons, Rampage, Charge mm-hmm. Rifle, L-Star. Very unique. They, they they utilize thermites or they have no magazine, essentially. No hit scan. Very weird weapons. Do they deserve a unique hop-up to complement that already kind of interesting mechanic? Probably not. And then, like you said, the Volt and the R9, I don't know. If they got anything special, they'd lose out on something. And do we want mm-hmm. to pay that price? I think the outlier here may be the Mastiff. Mastiff's an outlier in general right now. It needs help. But Mm -hmm. then we look in the context of shotguns and we're like, wow, we have a really powerful shotgun meta. Mm -hmm. Do we need to to compete with the EVA, the PK, and even the Mozambique? Would that be too much? Questions here. So I think there's a reason for all these weapons not having hop-ups. 
and maybe won't ever. Yeah, I think it's just really cool. You look at it in this frame and you can have a lot of really interesting conversation. And we'll see what the future of hop-ups is. We'll talk about it later. But the Rampage kind of being another gun introduced that has this bonus that's not related to a hop-up. Maybe that's the way we go down the line. But before we dive into what makes a strong hop-up, here's a word from our sponsors. Over the past year, we have reinvested nearly everything into better equipment for podcasting. New mics, new cables, computers, mixers, etc. Sadly, the most important element of our lives as gamers, podcasters, students, and professionals was ignored for far too long, a chair. Man, we have been sitting on the most horrendous chairs for hours on end, and we are finally saying enough's enough. We reached out to Autonomous, whose mission is to help smart people work smarter. They sent us over their top-of-the-line chairs, the Ergo Pro Plus. This chair is incredibly comfortable, fully adjustable, and breathable. My favorite part of it is that it's designed to prevent back pain and promote better posture. I have a bad habit of slouching in my seat, but with this new chair from Autonomous, I already feel much more comfortable sitting upright. Gamers are plagued with the stereotype of being hunched over and wrenching their neck to get closer to their games. I do it as well. This has a horrendous long-term impact on your neck and back. Investing in a solid chair is as important, if not more important, than a new headset, controller, mouse, or other gaming equipment. So we worked out a deal with Autonomous to give all third partiers a 5% discount if you use our code 21thirdparty. That's 21 third party, no spaces. This offer expires September 30th, so use the link in the description and get yourself a new chair. Welcome back. So let's break it down. We've talked about the history of them, maybe some of the decision making behind the hop-up, but isolate the hop-up as is. What are the things that make something strong versus not as necessary and more maybe you either categorize it as fun or a miss, I guess? Yeah, I think we kick it off with what are the best hop-ups? You know, over time, I think the turbocharger and the anvil receiver have risen above the rest. I also think you can make arguments for the select fire, precision choke, and the double tap. I Mm -hmm. think all three of those are strong. I think you look at those and you're like, I I see the turbocharger. Obviously, we talked about it being a staple for so long, incredibly powerful. Anvil, we've talked about the power of that, but versatility is power and apex third-party staple and you take the community's favorite guns you give them the versatility to compete with g7s and 3030s you're going to get a lot of power there very strong double tap's interesting because if it was just the eva or the eva and something else i think maybe people would perceive it as more powerful but the fact that nobody liked using it really on the g7 i think hurt maybe some of its uh its brand image as a hop-up per se yeah Totally. I I agree. I think that those kind of honorable mentions in the most popular hop-ups give a little bit in terms of uniqueness. You know, the select fire allows you to maybe use uh, something like the Prowler at closer ranges because you can spray with it. Precision choke does the opposite. It allows you to do, you know, longer range shots with the shotgun or the triple take. And then the double tap allows you to have that closer range opportunity, even with the EVA, uh, being able to just hit two pumps of it to get four shots on the body for a knock. So they each kind of give you an advantage in combat, which I think is 
it needs to be clear and it needs to be kind of powerful in order to rise to the top. The turbo and the anvil just do that better. Yeah, they, they do it at the top level and they're both gold. So maybe there's something to it. There you go. <laughs> now, what about the worst top ups? You know, this is kind of mean. We don't try to, you know, spew hate or anything like that. But I think the quick draw is not a very powerful hop up. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to get a whole lot of backlash on this, but I do not believe that I'll the, support you. the Dead Eyes tempo <laughs> and the Shatter Caps are just not strong hop ups. I think they're some of the worst, weaker ones that we've had. Okay, here's I'll I'll make your case as well. Shatter Caps is close. I think the Shatter Caps could be one of the best hop ups in the game if it has some changes to it. The necessary need to still charge up the gun, unlike giving it that triple take usage of making it just a straight up shotgun limits that ceiling so much to the point where it's so hard to use. And please in the discord or wherever you talk to us, please tell us why you use the dead eyes tempo consistently. Cause I can only think of a situation where I'm sitting on a hundred arrows overlooking a huge team fight of 20 people. And I am just consistently, consistently shooting people. And I'll tell you, I don't think that situations ever arose for me in apex. It's so hard to rely on that hop up to actually provide impact because it takes so long to get to the point where you're getting a benefit out of it. Yeah, I think that it comes down to, do you need this hop up in order to level up the weapon? Mm-hmm. Are you going to run the bow or the thirty thirty without the shatter caps? Yeah, I, I think you are. Like, you're going to use it. The dead eyes tempo, I'm going to confidently use the sentinel without it. You don't mm-hmm. need it. And even if you have it, you don't feel a meaningful upgrade as you really felt with a precision choke or a turbocharger. And a lot of people, I think, go back and forth between the anvil if they used it or not. But I think that it's clear if you used it, you felt an incredible amount of new flexibility, mm-hmm. new opportunity to use the weapon and compete with stronger weapons at different ranges. It added value when used for sure. Now, there's one hop up that isn't really on our list. And I think it's one of the most misleading hop-ups, at least in its more recent implementation into the game. And that's the Skull Piercer. It was far overhyped. It increased the headshot multiplier on the wingman and the longbow, but it didn't do it to a significant degree. It didn't lower the shots to kill. It, mm-hmm. it really didn't do anything. And I, I worried that that was a hop-up where it was the opposite. People believed, oh, you can't run the longbow. You can't mm-hmm. run the wingman without it when really there was no tangible difference i look at the skull piercer and i see it as the nostalgia hop up it was so good when it first came into the game because it did some of the stuff you mentioned it changed the shots to kill the ability to have the ceiling with a quick firing handgun where you could two shot somebody in the head because it did cross the 100 damage threshold and that was before red evo as well and so the max health someone had was 200 that was crazy and people seem to still think it does that even though it it doesn't anymore and you now have the introduction of red evo or even if it did do that there's still going to be this other variable that allows you to not get that two shot kill that was so like clicky and viral and just all this hype around it for sure. Totally. I mean, I think that the skull piercer was balanced into both the wingman and the longbow mm-hmm. in terms of the headshot multiplier to a degree. The wingman 
does not feel substantially better with that buff, just right out of the box. And the mm-hmm. longbow, it's not the headshot multiplier that makes the longbow strong. It's that buff to the base damage to the body yep. that just makes it incredibly powerful on top of solid recoil and a huge mm-hmm. magazine size compared to other snipers. So this is a hop-up that isn't a thing anymore, but was one that was often talked about as one of the best hop-ups and a must-loot, but wasn't really at Season 5 onwards. Totally. But what makes the top hop-up so strong, in conclusion, they either increase the damage per second and the functionality, or the accessibility. Making a weapon easier, more applicable to different situations, is a significant power metric. Let's get to it. Let's talk about the boosted loader. Now, the boosted loader hop-up greatly speeds up reload time and gives bonus ammo if the weapon is reloaded while low but not empty. Mm -hmm. It goes on both the wingman and the hemlock. Let's break down the wingman. When you reload it at the crucial time, you gain an extra two shots per mag and that reload is going to be 66% faster. 1.4 seconds compared to a 2.1 second reload on the wingman. And importantly as well with that, while it's a great time increase, you feel it in game. Like you really feel it. We were talking about when the season dropped and we first used the boosted loader, we were freaking out because it just feels so fast and feels so good. And a game like Apex, so much of the game's love of stuff comes down to, how's it feel? This one feels fast, and it really is fast. You, you compare it to something like Rampart's Passive, where mm-hmm. she can reload LMGs 25% faster. This is 66, more than double the, the bonus from just a hop-up yeah. alone is, is quite powerful. Um, if we look at the wingman and kind of what that two shots can do, um, with no magazine at all, that can make the reload go from six total to eight. With a purple mag, go from nine to crossing the double digits into 11 total. That's pretty simple math. I know everybody Mm -hmm. can do that. But that number impacts the accuracy requirement that you're going to have. If you don't have a magazine, you have to hit four out of six shots to knock somebody with common armor. So early game, you grab a wingman with nothing. Everybody else just has common armor. You're going to have to hit 66% of your shots. If you have the boosted loader, and that six becomes eight, you only have to hit 50% of your shots. That's a significant buff to the weapon, a 16% easier, essentially, to use the wingman with this hop-up. If we had a weapon buff and a change, and that accuracy number changed by 16%, and I would be freaking out on the show. Like, if this gun just basically jumped in stratosphere, that would be an absolutely huge deal any season. And that's why it's one we're talking about on a full episode right now. So what's the application? Specifically with the wingman too. And I think that the boosted loader has two primary advantages on the wingman. Number one, you can waste some shots and reload uh, to have a boosted mag before you go into a fight. So you don't have a duration like the revved thermite on the Mm -hmm. rampage or the charged up sentinel with cells. So you can just fire some shots into the ground, into the air, and go in with a significant advantage. And with how wingman ammo works, it's pretty easy to replace. This is something that is 
getting a lot of use and high level play. Pros are 100% firing off shots, reloading that mag just so they can have the advantage going into the next fight. If you're going to do so, feel free with the caveat of recognizing that you might be giving away your position potentially in some scenarios. The other option you have is this hop-up allows you to use the wingman as a much more confident primary weapon with Mm -hmm. a lightning-fast reload does require the focus on how many shots you have in the mag, but if you have that, the wingman becomes a much more forgiving, powerful option to lead with because you don't have the ADS movement penalty, you have incredible hip fire potential. The wingman's a very strong weapon, but its difficulty on the accuracy makes it hard to use. And the reload is not very helpful either. With the boosted mm-hmm. loader, both those things are taken care of. And the wingman can really be used as a powerful option to lead into fights. We've called reload times like a death sentence before, and the wingman was up there with these long reload times where it's just like you're giving away 2.1 seconds in the fight. You're starting to reach that area of you can't recover. 1.4 is so much more workable with mid-fight and Apex of BR, especially in that environment, you are going to run into situations where you feel the use out of that. You feel like you are reloading. The use is sometimes hard. I recommend just count them. Count your shots as you're shooting them and get that math right. Eventually, it'll start to become a little bit more ingrained. Totally. And there's also additional UI features for this app. Mm -hmm. You have color coding like on the actual reticle. You have multiple indicators to the right of the site. And then you also, on all weapons, have your HUD display of how many shots and the mm-hmm. on-weapon display. And that is mm-hmm. often color-coded as well, going from just they try to make to it orange easy. to red. It, it, mm-hmm. it is clear. So if you have the focus, I think these are both very approachable to use, this hop-up on both the wingman and the hemlock. Talk to me about the hemlock. Break down those numbers for me. Yes. Instead of two extra shots, with the wingman using mm-hmm. the boosted loader, you get an extra six shots or two bursts per boosted reload. You also have a faster reload than the wingman with a 73% buff to the reload speed. That's 1.58 seconds on a purple magazine compared to 2.16 seconds. These are big differences we're talking about. Big, big differences. And, and it's hard to fully explain how meaningful these changes are because these are things that we don't see. Like mm-hmm. the closest thing we can compare it to is maybe Rampart, and it's yeah. almost triple. It's hard that to compare speed. those. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. this is incredibly fast and a major advantage where it allows you to maybe not swap your weapon, maybe to stick with the weapon you're most confident with, the one that you have the most loot on, like the one that's more applicable to the situation that you're in, and that's huge. Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of the accuracy, the hemlock, I think, is a good one to focus on because in order to knock someone with common armor, without this hop-up, you have to hit 8 out of 18 shots or hit 44% of your shots. With the boosted loader, you have 24 shots, meaning you only have to hit 33% of your shots. 33 is an incredibly juicy number. Once you get into the low 30s, you're talking about one of the easiest weapons to use in the game. 
LMGs are kind of upper 20s. The G7, you know, you're in that 30, low 30s range. This is a really approachable weapon to use. But you level that up and you talk about purple application where you have a purple magazine and you're going up against purple enemies. You have to hit 10 shots out of 30 with that basic mag without this hop up. It's 33%. Compared to if you have the boosted loader, you have 36 in the mag. You only have to hit 27%. That's a crazy number. A lot of numbers getting thrown around. Like It's kind of chaos. But I think something to pull away from this is that the difference between when you are fully kitted and you have purple magazine compared to not having anything is substantial. You see a much, uh, l- you see a lot less impact of the boosted loader when you're fully kitted. Early mm-hmm, game, mm-hmm. this thing really substantially buffs your accuracy requirement. As the game progresses, that decreases. That's not necessarily the boosted loader or the weapon's fault. It's more so the fact that defense has the advantage in Apex. Yep. Shields progress more substantially than weapons do in terms of their magazine versus the hit points of purple armor. And it, it creates those it creates those longer drawn out fights that Apex is kind of known for. And I think that's a it's a large staple of the game. So it does make sense. If you're gonna use the hemlock with boosted loader, we've said for a long time that the burst is at a very difficult place to use right now. I think you really should give it a shot in single fire. The gun, if you got that trigger figure can start to feel incredible with this boosted loader. That's already, I already really like it. But when you got 36 in the mag, you can start to feel like you're really, really just spraying at a certain point. Yeah, I mean, you think about it and it is burst or single, but that's the top magazine size for an AR. You know, Mm -hmm. that's parallel to the largest and that's the Havoc with a purple mag. So it's like, Man, you have a lot to work with, a lot of flexibility, a lot of power potential. And you know, if you want to test yourself, use a burst, you definitely have the opportunity to have a high rate of fire and a higher mm-hmm. chance for headshots. So I recommend it. Where are you at with the boosted loader, though, as how it fits into your kit? Do you have it as a, I really feel like I need to use this? weapon and i need to use the boosted loader in turn or can they still be used mutually exclusive unlike some of the hoppos where we've said in the past they are incredibly reliant on one another yeah i think that even though we just kind of hyped up the boosted Mm -hmm. loader and it it is very substantial in its impact on both the wingman and the hemlock i like it the boosted loader isn't a must pick up and a carry like the turbocharger and the fact that it doesn't go on extremely popular weapons like the Anvil, which extended the effective range of the R301, the flatline to compete with the G7. So it's strong, but likely more comparable to the select fire in making the weapon easier to use and not flat out more powerful. So totally. I see it more of an accessibility hop up with the twist of a skillful timing requirement. It's kind of a fun twist on things. I don't feel like I need this hop-up to use those weapons if that's what I'm going with. But it is a nice boost, the accessibility, kind of like you mentioned. But it doesn't 
the hemlock and the wingman are in a place where you get the boosted loader, this gold hop up, and it still doesn't take them to the level of, I'd still probably rather have my R301 or my flatline yeah. or in certain situations, my G7, which is totally okay. We haven't seen a lot of hop ups really raise the power ceiling of a gun like that outside of the turbocharger, really. Yeah. I, I think to reiterate the point, a lot of players would carry a turbocharger and an L-Star awaiting a devotion. Yes. I also think a lot of players would carry a G7 and an Anvil awaiting an R301. Mm-hmm. I don't think there are many players at all that are going to carry a flatline and a mm-hmm. boosted loader and swap it out for a hemlock or a wingman. I, well I don't think that is a use case and is a popular perspective. If that's you, if you're listening, this is a wonderful time. I'm, I love this. This hop-up is meant <laughs> for you. Um, but I don't think for the vast majority of players, it's that impactful as opposed to those other very popular hop-ups. It does add that fun and accessibility to the guns, though, which can enter, it can make players use new stuff if they haven't before. What do you think this means for the future of the hop-ups? Kind of our last topic of the day. And is it going to change how they're used in the future? Should we continue to look at hop-ups in the same frame we have in the past? Or do you think that we are moving in a different direction at all? Yeah, I mean, I think that we've seen a lot of change and turbulence in the hop-up yes. world. And hop-ups like the select fire that make weapons more applicable to different situations, maybe more accessible, have left. And I think that in a lot of ways, like I said before, the boosted loader is similar to that. Does that mean that maybe it should be legendary or purple instead of a gold or gold hop up? I think maybe, you know, we might see Mm -hmm. that change. It wouldn't be unprecedented. Um, But I think larger in terms of the future of hop ups, the boosted loader paves the way for hop ups to make weapons easier and balance them with hop-ups similar to how the turbocharger takes an underperforming weapon and makes them dominant. I think it does allow that, specifically in the case that the wingman is difficult and the hemlock is difficult. But like we said at the top, maybe hop-ups are just a thing of the past. You know, with weapon balancing going straight into common loot like thermites and cells, being able to just completely sidestep hop-ups and make a weapon balanced by consuming loot, that I think is probably the future. Like that's mm-hmm. what we've seen repeated. And we've also seen hop up style things that make weapons better just implemented right into Legends kit with Rampart. I think we're going in an interesting direction. I like the concept of let's make things fun and easy to use and that be the bonus of a hop up. I don't personally love this whole like the turbocharge has been around for a long time. I'm not a huge fan of it takes a weapon needing this hop-up to be useful. And I don't think we'll ever reach a point in the loot pool where multiple hop-ups are built around that idea because then you get to a point where you just have so many guns that are just reliant on this loot and the looting cycle and the looting circle gets more complicated than it needs to be. So I think we're shying away from that and we're looking more towards stuff like the boosted loader as potential hop-up ideas. But I do like your point on the thermites and cells adding importance to these things that are not ever going to be leaving the loot pool 
and giving them a reason to kind of stay and benefit a gun is a cool key. I'm really excited for when I can finally have a reason to pick up a Phoenix kit. <laughs> That's right. I think that could be cool to put that into a into a weapon. Let's talk about some hoppos we'd like to see. Some fun ideas. We've gotten some great concepts in on our Discord. It's always something we're willing to chat about. I think we went through some ideas and there was two we pulled that we're going to chat about today. And feel free to share more if you'd like to. The first one, though, is just kind of that ever popular concept for a hop up dual wielding. Give me two P2020s, give me two Mozams. This, I think, would be one of those examples if you start to get to a maybe an underperforming weapon starts to become dominant and it'd be this, oh, I need the dual wielding if I want to carry these into the end game. So maybe we won't go this direction. But from an animation and a gameplay standpoint, I think this would be a really fun way of going down that road if that was the direction Respawn and the team wanted to go in. I think that dual wielding introduces two potential big ideas. The first being if a hop-up can clone a weapon hop-ups can really be anything so yeah. mm-hmm. then talk about okay what if it was a suppressor or what if it was some sort of complete transformation of the weapon where you could pull yeah. the weapon apart and have like two different features like you could get really complicated if you think that dual wielding is feasible and maybe you have to get the hop-up and then loot another version of the weapon that'd There's be some crazy complication. too mm-hmm. the second takeaway I have from this idea of dual wielding is maybe you could apply it to weapons that haven't had hop-ups like the R99 and the Volt. Because yes, dual wielding doubles your potential damage output, but it also makes it so you can't aim down sights. Mm -hmm. Your hip fire is going to be crazy. And so I think you could make a case for a dual wielding hop-up being more of an accessibility hop-up to make the R99 more approachable in the close, close range. But most of the sweats are probably going to opt to use it without it because there's so many drawbacks to dual wielding. Man, I wonder if I had two Mastiffs if I could finally use the gun. I I truly don't know what you'd do with that bad boy. Maybe, maybe. We'll see. The other idea, it's a fun one from Reddit. Circled around a ton of times. He's got the full design and such behind it as well. And that's the Ricochet Rounds. It's an epic hop-up compatible with the Spitfire. And the EVA 8 is the example one. And bullets will bounce off of surfaces and deal damage at a reduced rate. 40% after first bounce, 15% after second bounce. This one would just be crazy in the game. It'd be kind of fun, but can you imagine walking into a building with Spitfire and... It makes it a lot harder to miss when your bullets can bounce off the walls. Yeah, that would be a nightmare. I mean, this idea is cool because it's pulled from the Titanfall 2 universe where you had essentially not a hop up, but kind of a perk that allowed you to do this with one of the Titan weapons. Um, It's cool. I mean, it would complicate gunplay so much, you know, Mm -hmm. in terms of the visual. And I think ricochet rounds are very cool but i wanted to have thermite rounds where they were on fire and they did Mm -hmm. burning or we had ice rounds or electricity rounds like this elemental elemental that Mm -hmm. i really liked in the call of duty space and the zombies like i think that's very very fun very visual and clear power um ricochet rounds may be a step too far 
in that where it's kind of out of control mm-hmm. power where you don't even really know what you're doing, where the bullets are flying. You don't need to aim. Like It, it, it could be to that level. But mm-hmm. I do like powerful hop-ups. I do not mm-hmm. like dumb hop-ups that quick draw. It, it pains me because something like the quick draw replaces something like the anvil. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, it's horrible. And I think given the UI of Apex, everybody sees a gold hop up and they're like, oh yeah, that's my turbocharger. Mm-hmm. And then they come up to it and they're like, oh my gosh, it's a dang skull piercer. So yeah. it's not good to have filler hop ups because of that, because you don't want to let people down when it's not really what they were expecting. Well said. Let's wrap it up. That was the hop-up discussion, the boosted loader. Hopefully you all enjoyed. We're going to end the show, though, with answering some five-star questions, the first of which is coming from Gilbert Savage. Hey, guys, love the pod. My question is, how would you feel about a lone wolf town takeover where only one player from each squad can enter the area? Gilbert, I'll tell you, the idea of 1v1ing is very fun, but it is going to be really annoying when I get my team to circle this area and just take three on twos the entire time while other people are fighting one on ones. I will absolutely rack up some easy dubs <laughs> with it. <laughs> yeah, that would be quite the exploit. I think that maybe having an LTM where you could have a clean 1v1, like, you know, kind of mm-hmm. like Winter Express, but just solo queue into 1v1s could be a really fun thing or maybe it's like a 3v3 where you still maybe have the same matchmaking but you're segmented off into different places with walls so that you have to take your clean 1v1 and the scoring is mm-hmm. based off that i i think that there is room to have something fun in apex that's centered around 1v1ing i worry for the same reasons that you do about having a town takeover like that though yeah. Gilbert, I think you're you're going down the path of, and I'm totally cool with it as an LTM, uh, give us the gulag and an LTM, essentially. Isolated 1v1s that are not going to have an impact on kind of the rest of the flow of combat in the game. Next question coming from GW1+. Hey guys, good work on the podcast. Really loving it. Won't apologize for a long review as per request. We did say that. Main question. What do you guys think about the recent LTMs that have come out compared to the greats such as Hollow Day, Bash, and Fright or Fight? Do you want to go one at a time? Let's Let's go one at a time. Let's go one at a time with these questions. Um, The concept of LTMs is a tough one. And I think it's hard because and we have Hollow Day Bash in its own tier above Fright or Fright, personally. That's just our opinion. We think it's the correct opinion. It is the correct opinion because Holiday Bash is the best. Sorry. Sorry. Just kidding. Um, I think that LTMs are always fun. We're not really getting these takeovers. It's an interesting style we've gone to instead. Where are you at? Do you want the return of pure LTMs that are kind of crazy right now? I, I think the LTMs are really fun and cool. But now that we have arenas, I don't feel like I am ever drained for content. I never feel yeah. bored. I think we have three maps in rotation. We have arenas, two ranked playlists. Like, I don't feel like we need to keep on reinventing Apex all the time, to be honest. I, I really enjoy them, but I think LTMs and their creativity filled a void, and that void has been filled. 
Yeah. GW goes on to say it feels that recent LTMs are just avenues for the devs to test out certain game modification ideas they have. This is 100% true. Like we've had confirmation from developers that they will test things in LTMs, you know, like Evo armor, like dropping with a backpack, dropping with a gun, all that kind of stuff. And totally cool and fine by me going about it during that route. I think that's much better than putting something in the game that you weren't 100% confident in with no community feedback and having to remove it. So feel free, developers, to utilize those LTMs to test out stuff like that. I'm all for it. I'm totally cool with that. I mean, you think about an LTM in the first hour of release, you get 100,000 times the reps than the entire playtesting team can do in a month. Like, it's a major... Data. It's a huge benefit. It's, mm-hmm. it's just huge. Um, going on. Also, I missed the first Fight or Fright event with all my heart. That was by far the best video game experience I've ever had, even better than Hollow Day Bash. I'm not so sure. Uh, <laughs> the high suspension mixed with sheer delight had me addicted and pumping with adrenaline every time I raced for the dropship. Pretty fun mechanic. I think that it is mm-hmm. a solid uh, mode. I think they should bring the original one back this Halloween and make small modifications, but keep it away from being a BR like the most recent one was. I would agree, GW. Personally, I did enjoy the original uh, Fight or Fright LTM structure more so than this kind of twist on it. I think that we got the second half around. It was so unique and so fun and, and really scary that it was a good time. If you do it, though, and my opinion on LTMs in general, I think they need to be even maybe more limited than they are. If you're going its own playlist, like people burn out on them quite quickly. So if you want to do this for like Halloween weekend or something and call it good on that, I think that might be the route to kind of go. Then GW goes on with some cool ideas. I've heard you guys talk about it on the podcast before, but I think a super fun LTM would be this, an arena type game where each team would consist of every single legend per team. That would be 18 legends per team. I think this could be challenging for the game designers to create because of the difficulties of getting a map that is just perfect for that abnormal amount of players. Personally, an 18-player capture the flag where each person carries a different role just sounds dope. Yeah, that would be cool. I honestly think that could be totally fun. Having every legend on the team would be cool because it would. I feel like it would create these really cinematic moments of you running into the legend that you are on the other team. And so like, say you're Watson and you run into the other team's Watson and you just know, like, this is it. You're the only other Watson in the game. Like, I'm the better yeah. one. I'm going to establish my dominance right now. We could go down a rabbit hole and capture the flag also, though. I would love to have that in the game. Would be very cool. And honestly, the only red flag is you'd be forcing players to pick legends that are not their main because Mm -hmm. 20% of the player base mains Octane. So it's like not everybody's going to be happy, but I like the idea of forcing players to try new things and a fun mode like Capture the Flag would be awesome. Thanks so much for the question, GW. And they also left us with a kind note. Don't stop grinding, guys. Hashtag ABS, always be scanning, and hashtag survey beacon life. GW knows what's up. Last question coming from Litten Rocks. I'm a Wraith main exactly level 200. I started playing Apex in season zero, then took a break. I joined back in season four and then found you guys. I'm a longtime listener and love the pod. Can you try and do a collab with Xylobrad? Thanks, guys, and hope you're doing great in Apex and in life. 
Silo Brad has messages in his inbox. Open invitation. We're on it. Don't worry. Yep. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to our producer of the Third Party 10 who supports us as a dropship captain on Patreon. Subscribe on Apple Pods. Drop a follow on Spotify. Leave a five-star review with your question. We'll answer on our next episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. And check out the Discord via the link in the description. Thank you so much for listening to the Third Party Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Boom, whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>